Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck. I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi. I am currently at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, where I've just witnessed the third race of the NASCAR season, points race, anyway. And uh, Jordan, um, not not quite what I was expecting there. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I, uh, I I picked between Vegas and Phoenix. Um, cause I, I was going to do two races on the West coast swing. So I did Fontana, obviously that was going to be a can't miss. And then I was like, Oh, I'll go to Vegas because the mile and a half races with the next gen car are amazing. You can't miss one of those for the short track races, which haven't been that good. So here I am. And I'm like, Oh, well maybe I made the wrong call, Jordan. Well, you're not the only one who made the wrong call because you actually solicited my advice and you said, "What should I do?" And I said, "Nah, you gotta go to you gotta go to Vegas. You know, there's nothing really that's gonna happen at Phoenix. Anything that you it will be okay. And it just logistically and kind of coverage plans. It made sense to go to Vegas, and not Phoenix. So I will take my fair share of the blame for this as well. And you're right. Like this was a rare clunker um, next gen car race on an intermediate track. I went back and looked and. There really hasn't been too many of these on these mile and a half racetracks since this car was introduced. These have largely been very competitive, um, easily the best form uh, or style of track with this car. Um, this one, you know, the, the finish was was good. It was fine. But really, for the most part, especially the first two stages, were, were very lackluster. Yeah, and I really want to get into why that is because it, it, it was interesting to hear the drivers and some crew chiefs afterwards talk about what happened. And I mean, for one thing, William Byron, uh, his, he won the race and his crew chief, Rudy Fugel, was talking about, you know, this may have been the first intermediate of the next gen era to have like a dominant driver like this where somebody just sort of goes out and just thumps the field on an, on an intermediate at least um, because we really had not seen that. And today... Um, you know, a lot of it, there was talk about dirty air and clean air, like with, we heard on these tracks with the old car, um, track position was a lot harder to get, uh, you know, than, than we were used to seeing. There wasn't as much, you know, certainly passing for the lead, um, under green, uh, just different. And, and, you know, on the restarts, they couldn't stay as much together for, for as long. Um, and I guess to, to throw another wrinkle and when you're comparing it to the last year's races with this car uh the drivers who were up there were pretty much largely the ones you would expect to be up there the whole day there wasn't some sort of name where you're like whoa how, what's he doing up there um well the parody this was like oh yeah <laughs> yep uh-huh the, all these guys or oh, hendrick one two three finish you know <laughs> chevy was one two three four last week chevy showed their hand again and suddenly jordan uh and i'm, I'm throwing a lot here at, at once but you know, last year, it, you know, uh, at this point in the West Coast swing, we we're like, wow, 
anybody can win any of these. Oh, wide open. You know, now we're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Chevys are really good. Uh, Hendrick uh-huh. is really good. You know, you, you throw in uh, a Kyle Busch and a Chastain, and you're looking at, uh, and, you know, the Toyotas are, are there. Um, but at least so far, we feel like already we're seeing trends that we were not seeing last year this early in the season. Yeah, a couple things there. One, you know, I went back and looked. I heard Rudy say that um, during his post-race press conference, and he's largely right. The only race I feel like you can compare it to in terms of a dominating driver would be the spring race at Kansas last year where Kurt Busch led over 100 laps, like 106 laps. I have it right here, actually. Um, he led 116 laps, and he you know, had the strongest car. Now, he had to pass Kyle Larson late because of how things passed out, but he dominated the final part of that race. He won stage two and then dominated. But largely, though, these races have been unpredictable. They've been competitive, and we haven't seen one team just click on it and just basically put a stomping on this, especially one organization where organization-wide, if you look at really just Larson and Byron, I mean, like they, they led, I mean, a, a huge number of the laps today. Um, and to your point on, on the second thing, you're, you're right. I mean, you go back a year ago, and we came out of Fontana. We were like, wow, Trackhouse. What, what's going on with them? Like, they kind of came out of nowhere and surprised people, right? You also had Eric Jones um, and then the, the, the then Petty GMS team, and they had a really strong run at California. Like, wow, okay, interesting. And you don't really have that. And we kind of touched on it in the preview this week that we wrote on The Athletic where it does feel like kind of the same group of guys are kind of in the mix. And it's the same, I don't know, what would you say, t- 10 guys or so? And it feels like we're it's just it's them right now, and there doesn't really seem to be that surprise team that's kind of popped up right now. And you know maybe things will change, but right now it does feel like um, certainly like the usual suspects are are kind of coming to the forefront. It doesn't feel like it's going to change anytime soon though either. So a couple things. So uh, you know for one thing, we don't want to get too ahead. Of, you know jump to conclusions <laughs> too much about about um, you know the quality of the racing because this. I will say this was a very cold day today. It was very chilly. Um, and Kyle Larson, you know, after the race was noting that, look, when the, when the track's as cold as it is, it's gripped up and you have more on throttle time. And the more on throttle time you have throughout the field, once, once the field gets spread out, like we saw with the old 550 package, right? It's, it becomes harder to pass. You, you're not having guys slip and slide. You're not having comers and goers. Another factor, William Byron said, Look, I mean, these these teams have figured it out. They, they've dialed in these cars more now. They they know how to mm-hmm. set up these cars. And last year, you know, you would see guys make big mistakes, or the car would bottom out, or they lose control. Remember how hard it looked like these cars were so on edge last year and so yeah, hard they to were drive. crashing all the time, right? Fontana right, Hannah especially exactly. And then today, you see, okay, well, they go through like the first two stages, and there's there's no there's nothing, uh, no cautions at all. Um, then you had a couple spins and then there was the, the last lap crash there today. But, um, for the most part, uh, aside from the Logano spin and the Almirola half spin that, that brought out the late caution setup overtime. I mean, that, that wasn't really, um, you weren't really seeing, seeing much. I mean, you, yeah, there was a, some contact, but you weren't seeing the car sort of out of control. It felt like, um, to me. And so again, like I, I think, we, we were wondering which way this was going to go, and we still don't know yet, but we were saying, okay, look, it's either going to go one of two ways coming into the season. It's either going to be the parity is still going to be there, and it's still going to be sort of wide open. We're going to see all these different winners, and wow, who's going to win each week, and, and the racing's going to be like, I have no idea. Um, or it could be that the, the bigger teams and the top organizations have have you know figured it out a little bit more, and they start 
uh, you know, seeing, we start seeing some regular faces up front again. And it, it seems like with our very, very early sample size that the latter is going to be the case where um, it's, we're, you know, we're going to go into the next mile and a half race at least, uh, not, I mean, it, it, that is Atlanta, so that's that's a super speedway, but the, the next true intermediate or true, you know, high speed track and think, okay, well, these are the guys we should look for. Now, you know, again, getting ahead of ourselves, but next week is a, is a short track package, a new package they're trying with Phoenix. And so maybe that mixes things up. Maybe it's not, you know, maybe the Fords suddenly say, oh, wow, we're, we're competitive with this or the, or the Toyotas are more competitive, but at least on these type of tracks, um, it feels like, you know, you, you kind of know who's, who's on it right now. It is. And I would even go back a little bit. I, I think we saw this, we saw this start to materialize a little bit late last year. You go back to this, the, the Las Vegas in the fall, that wasn't a, a nail biter in the sense that a lot of changes and, and ebb and flows and a lot of real high competitiveness. It was kind of a different guys took their turns up front. The finish was good, but it wasn't the, the, the great racing we typically saw on mile and a half races before that. And then the following week at Homestead, that was a race primarily dominated by Martin Trix Jr. and Kyle Larson. And while the racing was okay, that was also a little bit of a runaway. So it feels like we're starting we, – we've already kind of – at the end of last year, we saw the bigger teams kind of assert themselves a little bit, and that feels like it's carried over to this year. It's interesting because um, even with the short track – and, and Harvick's comments that I'm going to tell you were, were in context of the short track package, so I don't want it to make it out like he's talking about the intermediate specifically. But – you know, I, I asked him whether he thought the the short track package will work next year or next week that they're trying to do to try to make the racing better. And he started talking about it and they said, you know, I really think that you're going to constantly have to make changes with this car uh, to keep the teams on their toes because the racing is better mm -hmm. when the teams are kind of scrambling to figure something out. And they, they figure this car out so quickly and can get their setups right so quickly. And everybody's once everybody gets in that same box it's a lot harder to get good racing and good passing. So, you know, NASCAR, you know, kind of coming out and saying, all right, we're going to try this package. We're going to give you one practice at Phoenix next week and uh, <laughs> good luck. That's going to be what you're going to be in the race. Um, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's going to make Phoenix great, you know, but right now it, it feels like on the intermediates again, maybe this changes and, and we're jumping to conclusions, but it sure feels like uh, this. This felt like more of the old generation car intermediate races than the next gen. I agree, hundred percent. It felt like that a race we so often saw on with that car on these type of tracks. And and I agree with you. I mean, when teams are throwing curveballs and they have to adjust on the fly, that tends to be when you see better racing because some teams hit on it, other teams don't. And then when the race starts. Some teams figure it out and they get better and the other teams get worse. And you see a lot of commercial goers and that kind of thing. And it'll be interesting to see what Phoenix is like. Big picture, too, because the racing obviously needs to be better on short tracks. But if you take a step back and look at this and say, OK, well, this car hasn't worked on road courses and short tracks the way we want it to. And but it's really worked well on intermediate tracks, which really has people excited. As, as we talked about at length last week about Fontana, right? Well, if. The car doesn't start performing to its standards, or it has been performing to its standards on intermediate tracks. Then all of a sudden, we're looking at a schedule of races where this car isn't performing well because you're starting adding up the road courses, the short tracks, the intermediate tracks, mile and a half race tracks. That's a large number of these race tracks that are on this schedule. 
Absolutely. And I think that's that's a huge concern. And, and, it, and it emphasizes, it, it drives home how much NASCAR really needs this new short track package slash road court pa- course package to work, right? Um, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of running out of levers to pull. I mean, next week they're going to have a two-inch spoiler, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they've taken some some strakes, these uh, sort of bars, I guess, off off the underbody of the car and things like that. But, um, you know, if, if that if that doesn't provide the racing that they they want, what where do you go from from here? I mean, you've designed this mm-hmm. car. It's I, I don't know. So, yeah, I, I, it, look, there's a lot to be decided here. There's a lot to be um, there's a lot left to see what will happen. But it it it, it was a little, it was just concerning to me today. Like I was just watching that race going. Yeah. Oh geez. Oh geez. <laughs> like this, 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 this. But I had the same thought. Like it's, it's fair because I mean, it was, it was, I, I and you, you hit it on the head. Like this was very much a pre next gen car race and an intermediate racetrack where it just was like, there was moments of, of, of goodness and it was competitive, you know, and that third stage when things got kind of shuffled up a little bit and you had the caution, it was like, okay, this is interesting. Let's see how it play out. And then you had the, the timely caution at the end, which, Kind of everybody, you know, it's going to mix up the finish and give you a, a shootout. But other than that, it was like, okay, and you didn't see it. Plus, there wasn't any cautions. That, to your point, that the car seemed a little easier to control. You only had a couple of natural cautions today. Uh, Logano spun, Amarola got in the wall. Um, it, it wasn't, it, it was not what we're used to seeing. And that that is very concerning. And, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep this minimal and not not kind of you know stand on here and shout. But if you look at it a little bit, and even like I said, go back to last year, and you could kind of start this a little bit. You you have to be concerned, and I'm very curious to see the next time they go to an intermediate racetrack, what that's going to be like. Because if it is like this, you start sounding the alarm bells. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and and you mentioned the late caution uh, for the Almirola spin. Uh, it, it was a quick caution, but also. Um, you know, at that point in the race, I, I think had there been a lot of cautions, maybe NASCAR lets that one go. This had been a largely, uh, you know, sort of drama-free race. Unfortunate for Kyle Larson, that cost him the race. But um, at least it set up an interesting strategy strategy situation. Yes. Um, <laughs> that I really want to dive into because I do too. I have so many questions for you. Yes. Um, so okay, the caution comes out. And it was sim- similar to last year's race, right? And and mm-hmm. last year, Alex Bowman uh, and, and Hendrick in general showed what the playbook should be, where they took two tires, clogged up the front row, right? And uh, the the Gibbs cars who had who were going to win the race did not win the race, and Bowman, you know, backed into another one, uh, as Kyle Busch said. Uh, now, this time, everybody knew, okay, there's they're going to take two tires, James Small included. So he, James Small, I went and talked to him afterward in the garage. So he says, okay, look, we're, we're running fourth. I know if I take, uh, take tires, okay, I, I'll run fourth. Um, but he thought, surely, there's, I, if I stay out, there's going to be others that stay out with me. Then we'll clog up the front row and, you know, or, or, or more. Uh, he was shocked, as was I. I was too. Nobody. How? Like, how? Why would you not try that? I don't get it. Like, if you're running, like, I, I would say 15th on back, and maybe you can even go higher than that, depending on where you're at. How would you not take a swing at this and say, hey, we're going to finish 15th ish? That's fine, whatever. 
we got an opportunity here. Maybe it's a small chance of just winning a race, but you try to swing and hit the home run, right? And nobody did. It doesn't make any sense. And you look at the teams that are back there that, that need wins, like a Keselowski, um, Allmendinger, uh, you know, any of those cars, any of those teams, right? Like Even like Aspire. Like, why would you not just say, hell, we're going to try it. And if it fails, we're going to slide back. I mean, Truex lost seven spots. So let's say we lose seven spots. We still probably have a good chance of leaving here with a top 10 finish. Like, why not? So, yeah, I mean, the one thing is that it's been pointed out, like there was only 18 cars on the lead lap, I think, at the time. So, yeah, I mean, you can't go too far. But, like, um, you know, Almondinger, like you said, Keselowski, Almirola, um, you know, I don't know how, how far you want to go back. But, it, again, if you're doing the same thing that everybody else is doing up front, there's you have no chance in overtime to come through the field. Um, now, Haley did put on four tires and, you know, he was further far enough back that he was able to get up to eighth. But what happens if he stays out? Yeah. And, you know, again, now Truex, he, he did finish seventh. So it cost him three spots. But when you look at the I mean, through the white flag laps, By, Byron had made the pass. Truex comes to the white and is in second mm-hmm. place. If he has others with him. I mean, there's a decent chance that they don't lose that track position. He, he kind of had a bobble and he got put three wide and he slipped back to seventh, but he, he had a decent launch. Um, and, and, and you have a chance to widen that distance. And by the time the guys have fresh tires and get up there, you're going to be out of time. Like they're going to need probably a caution to reset everything and to go into second overtime to have a shot at you. I, I just, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Now here's, here's another interesting little nugget for you. So, James Small, when I went, I went to talk to them, they were they were like yanking the the rear wheel uh, like crazy. It's he he said if it, it turns out that if they had pitted, their uh, I think it was their left rear, um, the the hub was like completely stuck. They could not have gotten the wheel off to change the tires. Oh. Or no, it was the right rear, the right rear because they they would have taken right sides, and. Uh, so the right rear was like stuck on the car and they had to go to great uh, effort afterward to get it off. So had they come down in fourth and tr- tried to take uh, right side tires, they would not have been able to. <laughs> so that would have cost them the race way more. You know, they would have lost way more positions yeah. than they ended up doing. Um, so, you know, but he was just like, yeah, he didn't he didn't really get why others didn't stay on. He, he thought that they would. And I just... It's just I I just don't I just don't get that I, I mean just in, in a either. in a series I, I, where I, winning if you win the race you're everything. in the playoffs and uh, yeah theoretically yes like I don't and like, listen it is really easy to Monday morning quarterback this but I have never heard a really good explanation this to me is this being a crew chief is a really hard job and it's but this to me seems like the most no brainer call like on a racetrack where you've got an opportunity to maybe steal something. And, and the situation arises, like, why would you not roll the dice? Like, go for it. Like, if you're 15th or somewhere in that area, you've got nothing to lose. Nothing. Well, devil's advocate, you know, you could say, well, I mean, his, you know, his his move didn't work, right? He ended up losing positions. So Sure. Um, That's fine. But it, I mean, but there's a at least he gave himself a chance. Right. Like, And if the caution comes himself, out. Exactly. Um, yeah. If he if he if, if he is the leader at the white and others have stayed out and a caution comes out, the race like, is over. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's like, I, I just, and again, even if you stay out and lose, and Truex went from first to seventh, so he loses six spots. Even if you stay out and you're 15, you can still net gain positions that way. Where, like, you're probably going to finish, if you pit, you're probably going to end up finishing where you, you ran. Like, I don't know. I like, everybody should, I mean, everybody's got their own strategies and their own plan, but like, doing the same thing that everyone else is doing isn't a way to beat somebody unless, unless you've got outright speed. Well, and, and another thing too, it like it actually cost, you could argue it cost some of the other cars, um, by, by doing what, so like, okay, I, and I, I'm not exactly sure a hundred percent, you know, what happened, who got bottled up where, but like Ross Chastain, for instance, mm-hmm. he, he was one of those that took, um, right sides only, but then on the restart, he was far, far enough back that when he got kind of bottled up for a minute, he got kind of overtaken by like some of the cars with the four tires, like a Justin Haley. And he, so Ross Chastain, who was solidly in the top five all day, ends up finishing 12th. So again, like now, was he going to win? You know, if he joins Truex, I, I don't know. He's an aggressive restarter. Maybe they just thought, okay, let, let's just try to come on with the top five here. But yeah, it's, it's just, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't, I, I just don't quite get it. Yeah. I, I'd like to ask more people about why or what the thinking is there, the, the damage limitation, if you will. But uh, yeah, anyway, as it turns out, well, here, Oh, so go ahead. I'm sorry. But I was just gonna say like, even if Ross Chastain, like I would actually make a case that they should actually gamble and try to go for the win because they're in a position where like, okay, we're running well. We got stage points today. Like, let's go for the win here. Let's stay out and do what Truex did because we're not, even if it doesn't work out and we, we lose some points, it's really probably in the grand scheme of things, not a big deal. We're going to be okay. But if we can get a win here and those playoff points that go with it, that's going to mean something. Yeah, and I mean, do you take, you, you would take a front row start with a car with mm-hmm. fresher tires potentially pushing behind you um, and you say, okay, let's take our chances here. See what happens. Right. I mean, yeah, you can yeah. put three wide by car with fresher tires, but you could also block the hell out of them. Like, I mean, Chastain can do that. And he's, he's arguing, Denny Hamlet said on his podcast, he's one of the best, if not the very best restarters in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, as it turns out, uh, now it's probably would have been the same thing anyway, regardless of overtime or not, but, um, Hendrick one, two, three finish. <laughs> um, they really had. They were they were the best cars. Um, Byron probably had the fastest car, and Larson had the second fastest car, and they led the most laps and second most laps respectively. Bowman looked good too. I mean, he was uh, pretty strong yeah. for a while. Now, uh, of course, we have not mentioned the name Chase Elliott yet, and um, boy, that that is a big development because when you look at this, Chase Elliott obviously um, snowboarding in Colorado. Uh, I think on on the Friday before. Um, before the race weekend now very experienced snowboarder like they he used to live out there they they have a home out there uh he spent a lot of his childhood out there and he knows what he's doing right it's not like he to me it's not like he went cliff diving or something reckless or was trying to do a backflip on a dirt motorcycle you know something like that like out with travis pastrana or something right like snowboarding to me, if you know what you're doing, um, I, 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 I cannot fathom, uh, I, I cannot personally get upset about that. Uh, accidents happen, you know, but anyway, regardless, and, and I'll let you share your thoughts on that in a minute. 
But well, actually, no. Go give your take now. What What do you think? Because you, do you you think he shouldn't have been doing that? Yeah, I, I am the I'm in the camp of you've got to be. I just don't think you can do that. And you look at other sports. Oh, like sticking... come on. Really? I didn't think you were going to do this. Really? No, I'm serious. 100%. Like you look at other stick and ball sports. They have a, a most, a lot of, a lot of players have clauses in their contract. No skiing, no snowboarding, um, no motorcycle riding. I mean, Jeff Kent got in trouble years ago with the Giants because he was out, got hurt motorcycle. I mean, I've skied my whole entire life. I, I, since I was three years old, I've been on skis. I, I get it. Like, it doesn't have you matter ever broken how your you leg? Are. It's no. Have but I've ever... had a lot of hard falls. Okay, you know you've had a lot of hard hard falls, and you've never I've had, had I've to. Been con- I've been concussed. I've had all. I mean, I've had injuries. I've been banged up and stuff like that. And I also, when I did play sports, you didn't do stuff to put yourself at risk because of what it could happen. I just think that the stakes are too high in this scenario, where like it's conceivable. His season could mean he's going to come back and race this year, but it's not inconceivable that he doesn't miss the playoffs now. I mean, his chances of winning the championship could be over because of this. The nine car may not make the playoffs now because of this. I mean, why? Why? I, I, I just, to me, it's a risk versus reward. Like, the risk is too high for a little bit of reward. And I understand the argument of, hey, you got to live your life and you got to do things. You know what? I, I get that. But find other outlets to do things. Find other ways that don't, you know, I, I just, to me, it's, I don't like it. And I want to ask you this question, and maybe you're going to ask me this, but how do you feel about the waiver policy? Where do you stand on this? Well, hold on. I'm not done with this topic yet. I'll, I'll okay. get into waiver in a minute. But so, okay. Is, is road, is road biking, is, is cycling too dangerous for you? Would you say that drivers um, shouldn't take their road bike out uh, on the streets during the season to exercise? I don't know. It's a good question. Because to I, me, I, that's I, a lot more. I I, I bike I, and I've it, had close calls with cars, sure. and that's a lot more dangerous to me than snowboarding or skiing. I, I don't want to say. Well, I, put it this way: if you said to me, "I don't want," if I was a team owner said, "I don't want my guy doing that," I would understand it. Well, and, so whether just be, supposed to be like. I, how about riding in a car? You, you get other a professional car athletes do this all the time. Like why? Why are you could why do fall race down the stairs? <laughs> okay, again, that's normal day to day, almost unavoidable activity. Going snowboarding though is a avoidable activity. Come on, come on, snowboarding's not like some extreme sport. That's like well, it, unless you're unless you're going off the half pipe or something. Maybe he was. I don't know, but. You can um, get hurt. You can fall. Michael, I mean, I mean, there are numerous examples of what happens when you ski and snowboard of when you can get hurt. Like, it does happen. I, I just, uh, okay. And I had seen What about mountain been, biking? Hey, been, remember when Jimmy was doing all that mountain biking that sure. he was doing? All the stuff through the trees. on that, too. No mountain biking? Like, I just don't see it again. Like, why? You, these guys are so valuable in such a commodity, and there is such a big risk. Of okay, what okay, hold on, hold on. Dirt racing. Are you putting the kibosh on dirt racing? Because dirt racing is a hell of a lot more dangerous than snowboarding. I, the only – I can understand I – can, I can make an argument both ways. I understand why some team owners don't allow it, and I get it. I also understand, though, the driver's perspective, of, hey, it makes me better by racing. So the argument could be, hey, I'm honing my craft. I'm getting better. I don't know if I, I buy that 100%, but if a Kyle Larson says to me, hey, I need to race dirt to be better on the cup, like I am more apt to allow that than not. But there is no benefit to 
being on a snowboard or racing, you know, buggy cars off of cliffs or uh, sand dunes in Arizona like Tony Stewart did when you have so much at stake. Okay, SRX, you got Brad Keselowski's going to run full-time, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick. Last year in the finale of the SRX race, yep. the champion, Marco Andretti, snapped his wrist, ended up having to have wrist surgery. He broke it. Are you, is that yep. too risky? I would, uh, from my perspective, I think I'd probably put a, I would say no to that because I don't think there's probably a tangible benefit that can be pulled from that to apply to Sundays. Dirt is different than SRX. SRX is more like a leisurely hobby thing, it seems like, than there's an actual benefit that can be obtained from that. Um, so you let so them race I, in a sprint car, but not if, an if, SRX if close cockpit. If sister and says to me like, hey, listen, this makes me better. Here's why it makes me better. I'm not saying I would, but I certainly would listen to the argument in, in his case of saying, does it really, you know, and how does it make you better? Sell me on it. Oh, this hurts my head. I really didn't think you were going to come down on the uh, anti-living-your-life I mean, like, yeah, side. But every other professional, just about every other professional. Michael Jordan had this famously put in his contract. You've heard about the for love of the game clause? No. Okay. So he had a thing in his, his contract that allowed him to play pickup basketball whenever he wanted to because the Bulls put in his original contract, they didn't want him to get hurt. Like he, MJ was playing pickup basketball all the time, and they're like, no, 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 no. You want to play basketball, you come play, organize practices, game, you know, for us. And he's like, no. He had a thing put in his contract for the love of the game. My point is is that other athletes in other sports are are prohibited from doing these kind of things. Why are race car drivers of why why can't why can't they be held to the same standard? Do you do you watch do you watch any of uh Charles Leclerc's uh blog, vlogs that he's done? No. No. So he just put out this one um, his winter training to get ready for the season. Okay. He okay. was in the, the Dolomites in Italy mm-hmm. and like, like the, like skiing up this like insanely steep, like avalanche prone area, you know, getting ready for the season and getting cardio in shape. Uh, his other vlog, I mean, he plays paddle tennis, which is like our, our pickleball essentially, I think. Um, so are you going to outlaw pickleball? Like oh, Denny Hamlin's uh, playing pickle. What? You could tear your ACL no, playing you pickleball. Want for, that's a form of exercise. Like that's a little bit, come on. There's a difference. There is a Why? difference. People criticized Denny Hamlin years ago for playing basketball and tearing his ACL playing basketball. Okay. That's a different, again, there's a much higher risk of getting hurt playing, doing snowboarding than there is pickleball. I, I think you could easily tear a tear a hamstring or tear a ligament, you know, doing so, any any sort of court not, sport, tennis. Gonna, no, I'm a little bit more forgiving of that. But when I look at a sport where I've got to wear a helmet and that you know, and anything you know, you've got the other things that can go along with snowboarding. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna put I'm gonna say no to that. Boy, I'm glad I'm not driving for you. Okay. By the way, great. You also be healthy. You're welcome. Uh, th- that is healthy. He's exercising. There's a be- there's other ways to. It's not like that is the only way to exercise. There are myriad I didn't ways. I say it's the only to way to exercise. No, but I mean, come on. Don't do the argument of always. You stay fine. You want to stay healthy and in shape? Great. Go right. Go do something else. Man, what a stick in the mud. Not, yeah, that's, for a guy yeah, that's, that wears I'm like always, yeah. wears like um, 
pink sport coats and goes out and makes margaritas <laughs> for people and cooks <laughs> eggs and all this stuff and is all living life and social and going to yeah. have a drink and yeah. and all this and, stuff, having yeah. fun. You're like, no, no, don't do that. Not when, not when the stakes of my season and my championship and I've got multi-million dollar sponsors to answer to. No, like, I'm sorry that you have to do a reevaluation. Like if I'm Napa, I'm looking at this going, damn, like we, we may not have it. We may not win the championship. We may not even make the playoffs this year. Like we don't know. Well, let's talk about the playoff implications here. So obviously, and you asked about the waiver policy. Let's say he's you out. Guess where I stand on this, by the way. Oh no! Are you serious? Wait, you don't oh, think you I'm should serious. get a waiver? Not for this, no. You just throw your hat. I, Why did you throw your hat? That is the stupidest thing. You shouldn't Why get a waiver. It it's a medical Why? waiver. Does he have a medical for issue? For doing something outside of racing, like no, who no, said that was the rule? Where's Where's that in the waiver rule? They I, gave Tony Stewart have, a waiver it, for the ATV or the uh, sand dune. I actually thing. wrote about how dumb that was like back when it happened he shouldn't have gotten a waiver either they gave johnny Sauter a waiver after they suspended johnny Sauter. yeah well, that, that's another argument i don't agree with that one either but that's already the policy the policy uh, is they give you a waiver the well, whole yeah, point I mean, the of policy the policy the, the waiver policy is pretty much at this point i don't even know why you have it because pretty much they just give them out like you know the they whole just give point out. of the waiver policy jordan I, I as it. you know is that they want the drivers to have to run every race. They don't want a driver to say, you know what? I don't really feel like going to Pocono. I'm already locked in the playoffs. I think I'm going to take the week off. Um, NASCAR thrives on having their full field at every race so that when fans buy a ticket, unlike the NBA where you have these stars sitting out and saying, Oh, load management and stuff. There's no load management in NASCAR. The drivers are going to be there and they're all Mm -hmm. going to be there every week. That's the point of the waiver thing so that we want you to run every race. If you have an issue where you can't go and it's an excused absence and it's an obvious reason why you can't race, it's like a note from your teacher. They give you, they give you doctor. a waiver. Yes, the doctor says, "Look, he can't race. I'm recommending he doesn't race. He just had three hours of leg surgery. He can't yeah. race for a while. Then afterwards, NASCAR goes, okay, well, you missed eight weeks, but we'll give you a waiver. Um, who cares if it's a racing activity or not? Either way, I mean, we're, we're uh, who, we're, you know." Oh God, this is just. You do. Here's How can my you not give him a waiver? If you do something outside of the bo- the uh, the boundary of racing, and you can define racing whether it's NASCAR or sprint, whatever how you want to define it. But if you're going to do recreate, you're going to do activities that put you at risk, and you're going to go race dune buggies through the desert, or you're going to go snowboarding or something like that, and then you get hurt, those are the consequences. Uh, okay. So let, again, let, let's go back to the fall down the stairs sport. thing. Let's go back. Okay. You fall down the stairs uh, and you break your elbow you're, you're, and you've got to be out for a while. Mm-hmm. That's not a racing activity. A, Do you get a, a waiver for that? Activity. It's a day to day activity where you're not doing something outside the bounds of, um, who are you to decide risk. the bounds? Who's NASCAR to decide the bounds? Oh, like okay. Let's say you're NASCAR's jogging. Policy, everybody's getting waivers. You're jogging. You get a paper cut. You get a waiver at this point. You're you're taking a jog, and you're you're on the street. You're on the sidewalk. A car hops the sidewalk, and you get hit by a car. 
that's not a racing activity. Is that outside the bounds? Where are you going to draw the line for this? You're just say, oh, sorry, you got hit by a car while you're running. You shouldn't have been doing that. No, I would say like when you do something that is, when you're doing a recreational activity that inc- like you're going to, again, race, you're going to do something that heightens your risk to a level that is beyond the norms. We're going to have a conversation about this and whether or not it's, it's, it's a case-by-case basis as it should be. Running, working out, fine. Not okay. That's fine. But you're going to go do doom bugging. You're going to go race a sprint car. I will even have the conversation with you. If you get hurt racing a sprint car, I don't know that you should have a NASCAR waiver to get in their playoffs. Like, like, like it's, I mean, at this point, what is even the point of having the waiver? Because the way driver contracts are written anyway, they have to basically race to get paid. No driver is going to say, hey, yeah, you know, I want to race at Fontana. Kyle Busch isn't going to say, I run a race at Fontana. I'm going to skip Richmond this year. Like, it doesn't work that way because he's paid to race all 36 points races and the two exhibitions. And that's how the driver's contracts are structured. Like, no team is going to be like, oh, yeah, you know what, Kyle, go ahead, have a week off. It doesn't work that way. Why? You could say, look, uh, hey, I I don't have a sponsor for, um, I don't have a sponsor for New Hampshire. Um, Look, I've already gotten, I'm already locked in. I think it would do me well to go take a vacation and you know i mean again it's it's the team is still gonna have to race though the team is still gonna have to race if you don't have a sponsor the team is still has to be there because they're part of the chart therefore they're gonna need a driver they're not gonna if they're gonna have to go race they're gonna take their driver under contract they're not gonna pay for another driver to come race their car like come on this is you're being ridiculous i i'm being ridiculous look I'm, I'm, i'm holding people accountable i'm very worried all of a sudden I'm far more concerned about about tomorrow at this point uh, because tomorrow you're going on the Door Bumper Clear podcast. I don't and, know if we're supposed to announce that, by the way, because it hasn't officially been announced publicly. Okay. Well, you're going on it. Okay. And it's going to be – it sounds like it's potentially just going to be you and Freddie Kraft. I don't know if TJ is going to be there. He was out It sick. doesn't sound like TJ is going to be there. Brett Griffin is not going to be there. We're going to spoil the surprise, by the way. Okay. Well, anyway, listen. You're going to go on Door Bumper Clear. And you're going to alienate so many people when you have a chance to get new listeners for our podcast on a bigger podcast. And people are going to be like, wow, screw this guy. Don't come with these terrible takes on Door Bumper Clear, please. This is not a good okay. look. You know what? I will uh, I will tonight, my homework assignment will be, I will write out all of my takes in advance. Well, you know, we're going to get a rundown of the show. So I'm going to go through individually and write out my points. Then I will forward them to you, have you go through them with a red pen and correct them. And then you just tell me what I should and shouldn't say, okay? Let's just do that. That's a great idea because everything that you just said, I would put a huge red pen through. Every Everything that you've said up okay. to, let's see, we've talk, been talking for like 37 minutes so far. Pretty much everything, everything you've said I for said, the last 20 minutes. Even though I agree minutes. with you for the first... <laughs> no, for just for the last 20 for minutes. The part, for the first part of this show, I agree with you. So now you're, ex- you're putting a big X through what you said. You can't even keep it straight. As soon as I brought up the name Chase Elliott, everything from there, just cut that. Pretend you never said that. You never felt that way. Just say, oh, I, I didn't mean that. I was just trying to troll Jeff and get a reaction and make him throw his hat. And really noted. I'm writing that down right now. Oh, my goodness. Boy, this is just... Uh, anyway, listen. Okay. Aside from the the waiver and your your horrible takes on on all the stuff that you just said, let's talk about like the actual playoff implications. Okay. So he had surgery. He will come back. Let's say we have no idea. Let, but let's just for for just argument's sake, let's just say he comes back six weeks, eight weeks. Okay. That's 
Fair. All right. I mean, Kyle Busch missed 10 races, right? 15 well, he had a much races? worse, 15 much worse injury. He missed 11 races because he raced 25 races that year. Yeah. Ky- so Kyle's I think, I think eight races a lot more are, severe though. Yeah. So I think okay. six to eight races is probably reasonable. Okay. So let's say he, he comes back, right? Um, obviously he, he has to win, win a race to make the playoffs. There's no top 30 rule anymore. Um, which is good. So That's he, good. he's not gonna have to worry about that, even though he could probably easily get in the top 30 anyway, as Kyle Busch did. Right. Um, so what, what is he missing out on? Well, number one, um, he's missing out on playoff points. So that's, that's a big thing because, you know, playoff points, we've seen these guys get in the playoffs and they might be hot and they might have a good year and they might have a good first round two first round or two of the playoffs. But when they don't have the playoff points, they pretty much have to win their way through the rounds as Christopher Bell did last year. Right. Cause Christopher Bell's big thing was, wow, mm-hmm. you know, I got, Hey, I got through round one and he was really impressive with all those top fives, but I don't have playoff points. And he got in trouble pretty quickly. Um, you know, Elliot last year, right. With the regular season championship, he had a lot of playoff points to fall back on and that saved him getting to the final four. Right. Like if he hadn't had such a great regular season. So you're, you're basically saying, okay, well, you're, you're now going to have to, um, you know, you're, you're going to have to have a winning playoffs, but Hey, you could also argue, well, that's what you got to do in the playoffs anyway. So, you know, I, that, that's a position you're putting yourself in. I assume he's going to win a race. If he doesn't win a race, maybe he wouldn't have won anyway. If you know, you can't just say, "Well, he would have won one of those eight races." But I will, say, yeah, yeah. The, the fact that Hendrick is so strong right now, like this could be, you know, no offense to Josh Berry who finished a couple laps down today. You know, he had, he had no experience in the next gen at all. But with the other three Hendrick cars finishing one, two, three, you, I don't think it's a stretch to be like, oh, they could have had one, two, three, four. If no, Elliot not at all. There. Um, so that's stage points. And another thing he'll miss out on is the bonus points for finishing in the top mm-hmm. 10 in the regular season standing, which is, again, more playoff points. So it's basically he's missing off playoff points, but it is easier than ever in a way to, you know, because like when Danny Hamlin breaks his back or whatever in, in 2013 or whatever that was, um, you know, remember he's he was still having to like try to get in the car and then get out of the car, start the mm-hmm. races and all that thing, all that stuff, because he needed the points. They don't need the points now because it's just winning you're in. So, um, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's that big of a setback. I think we could potentially get to the playoffs this fall and be like, hey, it worked out for him. Look, he he made the final eight anyway well, or whatever. But yeah, but you don't know. I mean, if you look at it though, I mean, to your point, like he, the playoff points for me are the biggest thing in this because a lot of times you need those to advance and. and and the nice thing that that Chase has, he has a, he's a driver and he has a team that has the ability to win on any given track, any given week. So that can that if you can win, that can overcome a lot. But if you do get into a point hole, though, that could be the difference. And that to me is the biggest thing of like your margin of error now is so much more narrow than it was before. Maybe even completely closed, depending upon how how far you miss. And that's the thing. And you know, there's there's more pressure on it now when he does come back of saying we need to fi- we need to win. Like we can't go through any slumps, we can't have any missteps. We have to figure out a way to win. I will say maybe that changes your mindset though. Maybe you race more aggressively. Maybe your crew chief is more aggressive with the calls, and maybe that opens up the playbook a little bit, and that's fine. But getting in, sh- they should be able to get in. But now, I 
I do look at it saying his streak of making the, the championship four, which dates back to 2020, I think is in serious doubt because those playoff points to me are going to be the difference between him making or missing uh, advancement to a next round. Yeah. I mean, again, um, you know, Christopher Bell didn't have many last year and he made the final four. So it's possible. But he was able to win. Two, he had right. to win two elimination races. Though. That's the thing. And he like, absolutely did. And that's the, if your window is smaller, but it doesn't mean yeah. your season's over. It's not a season Absolutely ending. Not. Absolutely not. And that's in, and I want to make sure I think like, I, I, I like NASCAR's system to largely degree. Like it doesn't force drivers to race anymore. Hurt. Like it does, it takes them out of it and it, it gives them an opportunity to like sit out and, and, and you can go and win. And that's the thing that Elliot has going for him is like, they can win. They can absolutely win. And the playoff sets up well, he's won at Martinsville. He's won at, he's won at Daga. He's won at, the Roval, like all of these tracks, he, he is in the playoffs that are key and important. He's done in it. But again, it's just like you can't have – you have to be per- – you're going to have to be perfect. You're going to have to be almost flawless to get through. Now, for the record, NASCAR has not approved a waiver yet. There has no. been one that's been requested, but NASCAR indicated to us this weekend that they will wait to see when he's trying to come back before they approve it. So, And that's reasonable to me because if you just approve it and then he goes – Oh yeah, by the way, I can't come back until the regular season finale at Daytona. <laughs> and then he will have only been in like three races this season and, and try to win his way in. Okay. In that case, I would say, no, that's, that is a joke. Yeah. Uh, you can't, you can't miss 20, whatever races out of a 26 regular season and then say, I want to be in the playoffs. Um, again, I don't know what the number <laughs> would be, you know, 10, yeah. whatever, you know, eight, I, I don't know, but there's there's got to be a point where it's logic would tell you okay yeah that's that's not good you can't miss that many um but the precedent has been set that you can at least miss surely eight or whatever and and be fine I mean, kyle missed uh 11 in his season he missed the kyle bush in 2015 missed 11 races and he got a waiver so i mean so i think uh, that's probably well, in your mind that's that was a racing thing now he 100 kyle deserved a waiver because i mean because but a lot of you know that wasn't in the cup series by the way jordan it was in a different no, series it was in a nascar sanctioned race at daytona oh. which wasn't properly it wasn't the the proper safety measures weren't taken so oh okay okay so it was daytona's fault and so that that's why he got a I waiver mean, there was there was a lack of I mean, you know this. There was a lack of safety. Yes, but you're saying that's why he got a waiver because they felt bad that they didn't have no. I'm not saying they got bad. I'm saying I have no issues whatsoever with him getting a waiver. He raised in a NASCAR. This logic, the logic that you're coming up with, to to like I can't. I just, I'm sorry. I hold people accountable, Jeff. I'm sorry. What are you? This is like the most the 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 exceptions and the rules for your standards for who gets a waiver and all this stuff and and when you're allowed to do what and what activities you're for having a kid. Oh don't you don't God. get me started about how dads missing, you know, they're missing time. Okay, I can say the that's an injury. I, I'm in the, I'm fine with the medical waiver. I'm not saying you can miss a waiver be, or miss a race and get a waiver because your cousin was getting married and you didn't you want to miss the wedding. Time. What? Weddings are stupid. <sighs> oh boy. This is just, I, I, I really did not see this coming. I did not see this coming. I did not think you were going to have a list. two like, terrible takes. Maybe like, like a this. master list somewhere of NASCAR waivers that they've granted. It sounds like a great project for you on the athletic this I, week. And you yeah, can, I don't you can, on my plate the way it is. You can rate them and say, in Jordan's opinion, should this have been a waiver or not? <laughs> you should go through every single one and just say, 
NASCAR should not have given him a waiver because it was a dune buggy on sand. Oh, I got a question for you. Yes. I don't mean like, I don't want to walk down this road too much necessarily, but Matt Kenseth in 2020 got a waiver for, he missed the first four races of the season. Uh, but when he replaced Kyle Larson, he was given a waiver. Yeah, I don't like that. Okay, thank goodness. Thank you. I don't like that. No. Okay, good. And in, good. in fact, I do think that if it's a NASCAR suspension, that you should not get a waiver. Which is why the Johnny Sauter thing, it's like he got parked for being in, for making a really bad decision, like a bonehead decision. Like, I'm sorry, like you made a bad decision. These are the consequences. Right. I agree with you, Jordan, but that's not a Look medical waiver. Medical. Medical. Yeah. Oh, all right. I, I'm just, are you, are you enjoying yourself? Are you doing, are you just, do you really believe this? Are you doing this on purpose? No, I have fallen down a rabbit hole now of looking at waivers and stuff. <laughs> oh, I forgot about Kurt Busch in 2015. I forgot about that. Well, okay. That was for a domestic abuse thing. Yeah. And that turned uh, out to be uh, that all the I, charges were dismissed and dropped for that. I, I, so. feel like, I, I feel like that was applied correctly in that stage because like they NASCAR did the right thing, taking Kurt out of the car, out of the car because he shouldn't race as this is going on. Right. And as it was resolved, it, yeah, so – Right. I'm just I'm falling down this rabbit hole now of looking at different uh, different waivers that NASCAR's granted over the years. Boy, I really ha- I, I really want to read that article. I really want to read your your article going through and trying to rewrite history of what was terrible waiver decisions. Oh, we'll call it Judge Jordan Court. There you go. I love it. I love it. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, before we move on, um, let's let's talk about you know sort of the flip side of the early season. You know, we we've we talked about Chevy. Um, the Toyotas are probably, you know, pretty close, you know, not, they're not, they're not that far off. Right. Like, I mean, Hamlin ran well at times today. Truex ran well, um, Bell ran really well at times. Um, Mm -hmm. Bubba ends up as the top finishing Toyota in fourth after, um, Truex, you know, made, made the pit call or whatever. Um, good run for Bubba. He, he looked pretty solid. Um, but the Fords, uh, pretty out to lunch. How worried are you at this point? If you are, you know, uh, Team Penske, if you're SHR, what, what's your level of concern? I'm concerned if I'm Ford, but I'm not panicking. I'm asking tough questions. If I'm Ford, I say, you know what, this is race three. We had a long season ahead. I look back a year ago. We weren't necessarily good on the intermediate tracks at the beginning of the year. You look at Team Penske, they were struggling on intermediate tracks. But then they had a key test at Homestead later in the year. They found something in that test. Then they went back to, to Las Vegas in the fall. Ryan Blaney almost won that race, led a bunch of laps, probably should have won that race. Joey Logano did win that race. And they circled that homestead test as the reason they were able to get better, which is a long-winded way of saying, like, there's a lot of room for improvement throughout the course of the season. And what you are now doesn't mean you're going to be that later. But if I'm Ford, I'm also asking the questions of, wait a second. Everybody was saying that we were supposed to be better and we had the better car out of the three this year with these aero changes that were made. When is this going to show up? It didn't show up at Fontana. It didn't show up at Las Vegas. When is this superiority we're supposed to have going to materialize? Because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I I would be um I would be borderline pressing the panic button, but I also don't know what you do because I mean, you kind of got what you got in a lot of ways, right? Like they, they, like, as you said, they just read, everybody just redesigned their noses. Um, there's, there's something going on because like 
Chase Briscoe, for instance, had a really bad Fontana. And I talked to him um, Saturday here in Vegas, and he was like pretty upset about it. Like he's like, usually, look, I, I, I go home and I can kind of shake off a race. But that one like really, really bothered me that we ran that bad and that I ran that bad. And, um, you know, he, he was like, you know, he was saying maybe he has sort of like a smaller window of performance than than other drivers do, like where it, it sort of has to be in in a tighter range for him to get that car right. And then, you know, but he was like kind of optimistic, like, Hey, let's, you know, see what we got here. Um, anyway, he goes out and he ends up two laps down in, in 28 today. Um, you know, really just not competitive and really priest wasn't in, in Almirola wasn't either Har- Harvick kind of carried the way, but and that's a Stuart Haas um, racing thing too, to some degree I worry about for sure. But then when you couple that with, okay, Logano gets the pole and then kind of just fades, fades, mm-hmm. fades, fades, and didn't even get any stage points before he ends up getting spun. Um, Keselowski was pretty much the top running forward for a lot of the day. Uh, Blaney ended up getting there later and, and Sindrick, um, with, with how everything shook out, he ended up as the top finishing forward, um, in sixth place, but he, he wasn't, he was a non-factor you know, up there all day. Yeah. Right. Right. So that was just one of those strategy things at the end, but I mean, yeah, I, I guess I'm looking at it going, boy, I don't know. Like I, this could be a long season for them. Now, again, maybe there's hope for this new package. We don't know what the short track and road course stuff's going to look like. Maybe that benefits them and it hurts mm-hmm. Chevy somehow. I, I don't know, yeah. but at least on these tracks, certainly not a good sign. Uh, I, I wouldn't be feeling too good at all if you're Ford. I mean, at one point, Harvick, I, I believe, came on the radio and said, not a good day to be driving a Ford, you know, so. Yeah, yikes, you know? it's a concern. And it, I don't know. The other thing about NASCAR nowadays is you don't need to be good everywhere. You know, the consistent, you, if you can have a sweet spot, if you can find some good tracks where you can maximize your, you know, your, your car, maybe that's enough to get through. And if you look at the playoffs, you, you've got short tracks in there. You've got a super speedway. You've got a road course. Like maybe you don't have to worry about intermediate tracks. You can get away with it. Yes, there's Kansas and Homestead and, and Texas, but we can be good elsewhere and we can get by there. So maybe that helps. This isn't the the, the old era of the chase where five of the ten tracks were mile and a half race tracks. Yeah. Well. But again, that's putting all your. Eggs I, I don't in one think basket. you want to be that bad, yeah. that far off. No, though. no, I agree. I, you don't want to you put know. all your. It's kind of like the Chase Elliott thing. I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. I don't want to. I don't want to shrink my my window. You know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is. Uh, I don't. I don't like the trend that we're seeing early, early <laughs> in the year here, and just in general of, you know, any one manufacturer being able to get an edge, any one team being able to get an edge, because that was what made last year so fun doubling back to what, how we started this podcast is just the unpredictability and all these different winners. And like, this was like, wow, maybe again, we, we knew this at the time living in the moment, maybe last year was just going to be sort of this once in a generation, best season ever type year. (laughs) Um, maybe it was too much to ask that this could be the norm. Um, and, and again, early, but it feels like that way. Listen, um, we'll, we'll talk more about the short track package next week after we've seen it at Phoenix. But we have other series to talk about, Jordan. So I think we should wrap up the NASCAR part of this with our good race poll. Now, 
since we forgot to do it the two weeks, the first two weeks, we did it last week. You are the winner with, uh, you got closest. Um, it, it ended up in the 90% club Fontana and you were, you had a higher, uh, higher percentage than me. You guessed, uh, what, mid eighties or something, I guess low, low eighties. Yeah. So congrats to you for that time before we get for uh, F1 IndyCar talk time to guess what it will be this week. You go first. 42%. I'm going 30. Oh, wow. I was thinking about, you went lower than I did. Yeah. You're, you're probably right. Yeah. I think, I think people are going to really sound this rate. Part of it too, I think is expectations like intermediate. People are fired up about intermediate tracks now. Like, Oh man, that's going to be great. Especially coming right. off a race at Fontana, which was an all timer in, in some respects. And they're like, oh, yeah, great. We're getting another one, right? And then it's like this. I mean, this is – sequels are very – this was a really bad follow-up to Fontana, and I think that's going to negatively impact people's uh, perception. Yeah, I mean, just from – just from uh, even – I'll even factor the, the Almirola caution into it um, because people didn't like that it was a quick caution. They're like, oh, they only threw this because this race was boring kind of thing. Um, you know, again, that's, I mean, he was spinning, he hit the wall. Yeah. He didn't spin all the way around and they, they did have a trick, a a quick trigger finger on it, but I don't know. I'm not too fired up about it, but I just, I I get just the overall sentiment that I was seeing on Twitter for this race was not good. And I'm, I'm just judging off that because that's who votes in the polls, people on Twitter. (laughs) So, um, I just I just feel like people were just like ah, I, I I just didn't enjoy that one. Um, hopefully it gets better. Hopefully it gets better. Um, I mean, we don't want it to be bad. Oh, <laughs> I mean, we, we want, we want good to come lines. on and be like, well, that wasn't. Yeah, I mean, seriously, it's fun to talk about races like Fontana. Yeah, it's fun to talk about good races and not hear your terrible takes on waivers. That's for sure. I'm sorry for being a Jordan. <laughs> Jordan, let's talk about Formula One. The season opener was today in Bahrain, and uh, good thing we now have some some people on the ground there. We've got Luke Smith. He was in Bahrain, had some awesome coverage from that race. Um, Madeline Coleman also has uh, been hired. I don't think she was at the race, though, but um, we've got two Formula One writers now. We've got a Formula One editor. We've, we are four, full bore on The Athletic, and uh, Luke was getting some great interviews and great sound after the race, and... Um, which was obviously completely dominated by Max Verstappen and Red Bull. <laughs> uh, very, 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 very ominous. George Russell, after the race, yeah. did you see this quote? I saw it. I, I got a question for you about it. He comes out and says, I don't think anybody but Red Bull will win a race all year. They are so far ahead of everybody. Yeah. Game over. Yeah. What do you I think? I mean, that's a little doomsday. I mean, listen, Red Bull's going to have issues. One of them is going to have a mechanical failure. Both of them could have mechanical failures. For them to go 23 races and you know run the full slate that's that's a that's not gonna happen like somebody at some point is gonna break through ferrari or mercedes or who knows i mean hell aston martin right <laughs> so my question Gosh, for you is yeah. this though like so last year verstappen set the wins record for 15 right yeah is he surpassed it this year and i don't think that's unreasonable to ask like it's in it feels conceivable well i put i, I put that exact poll out on twitter earlier and uh, so far, I think 68% of people who have voted so far uh, said that he will surpass the I record. Uh, yeah. I feel like he's on the way to like doing that. Too. Um, yeah. I mean, 
despite all the talk about, you know, even, you know, could Alonzo compete with them? Look, Alonzo, great car. I mean, the Aston Martin. They're, they're great. I mean, they they backed up what they did in testing and they came through and, um, you know, Alonzo gets the podium today. Now, he wouldn't have had a podium had Leclerc not had his engine issue and Ferrari going to Ferrari, as you say. Um, but he still was great and, yeah. and they'll probably even get that better. Um, Lance Stroll, I mean, sixth place with a wrist that he could hardly move and a broken toe from his biking accident, I guess pins in his wrist supposedly. Oh. Um, and to, to drive an F one car with a, with a broken wrist or a recently repaired wrist like that. I mean, wow, that's impressive. Imagine when he gets healthy. I mean, we might see some Lance stroll podiums this year. That's just um, talk on that a little bit. Okay. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, they so much of F one is the car, and I don't know, man. I mean, I can love, make I love, even Lance Stroll look like a hero. Like, I I agree. With, I mean, you're right. Like, so much is about the car, but like today, like Alonzo, some of the moves he made, like that was driver. Like that that oh for sure. Yeah, like and so I mean, he it, there's a lot that's gone into their you know Aston Martin's elevation, but like it feels like alonzo is just like lifting and willing that team like uh, like a great player on a basketball like you you see this in basketball like a great player has just got he's playing with four bums and it's like no man we're i'm taking this game over and we're gonna i'm gonna figure out how to win this and it's like alonzo just pushing these guys to greater heights right now to a degree yeah. yes but i mean also like this is a guy with one podium since 2014 uh now two but i mean like he's the same driver if the driver mattered that much, he could have done things like this before. I mean, the bottom line is he had a faster car. He hasn't now has a faster car than Mercedes. Um, you would have thought that. I wonder if I wonder if Vettel would have no. retired knowing that the car was going to be this. Well, I don't good. think Vettel, Vettel uh, was like Vettel was like he already checked out. Like say what you want, but like I, I go back to 2017 Indy 500. Like you can say what you want about Alonso, and he hasn't won, and the podium lack of podiums or anything else. But like this guy still has it. Like he has got it, and he just like I go back to Indy 500 in 2017, and to see what he did firsthand, like to me that told me everything I needed to know about him as a driver. And I know that was you know six years ago now, which is really incredible to think about. But like, and the moves he made today were like that's a driver who is out there putting it out there and in these sensational passes and setting people up. Like Vettel, Vettel is not that driver. He hasn't been that driver in a few years. Oh. Or is this, this is what we're doing now, the Vettel slander. You're telling me if Sebastian Vettel oh. is in that car day, he doesn't get a podium? I'm not, say, I, 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 I'm not saying he doesn't get a Maybe he does. Who knows? But I just what, – what Alonso did today in the moves, I, I don't think the caliber driver – I don't think they're the same driver. I, I think Alonso is clearly better than Vettel has been. I Okay. I, I'll agree with that. I mean, yes, uh, Alonso is still at, at the top of his game. Alonso's unbelievable but i still feel like put vettel in that car today and he gets the podium he may not make the same crazy moves or you know sweeping moves um and route to the podium but he still gets the podium if, if all the circumstances play out with you know leclerc's engine issue and all that stuff i mean sorry i feel like f1 is so much with the car i mean lewis hamilton is the goat and you know he can't do anything with this, oh, this car the last be, couple of years no, so i mean he may be here's a question for you and he's not washed. He beat your guy, George Russell. That's, fine. Today, That's so. great. I just want to go back and play it again. I was right about George Russell and Hamilton last year. So FYI. Um, Hamilton winning race again? Ever? Uh, not this year. So here's my question. Then. Like, how old is he? How old is Hamilton? I'll talk. Is he? 
37, yeah, like, 38. I mean, I don't know how long he's going to race. Like, it's, I'm, I'm serious, right? I'm not, this is not a hot take. I'm like, I'm, I'm legit asking, like, does he win another race in his career? Because, I mean, Mercedes is so far out to lunch. Like, we don't know. I mean, for them to come back next. He's 38. He's 38. Um, well, look, I mean, we just saw Aston Martin <laughs> in one off season <laughs> improve their car that much. I mean, who's to say Mer- Mercedes can't? Um, it, they, they've clearly got a long way to go. But crazy things happen. I mean, um, look, I mean, Daniel Ricardo won a race a couple years ago when, sure. or, you know, it, Pierre Gasly. I mean, pe- people like that yeah. have, have won races when it doesn't look like um, it's going to be their day or, or, you know, things happen. Things happen that are very exciting uh, in F1. It's not always straightforward um, and predictable. Uh, today was, uh, including the Ferrari failure <laughs> when Leclerc is in position for a podium. But um, oh, it's so predictable. It's all funny. Oh, my goodness. Like, it's, it's, wow. I feel bad for him. I feel, I mean, I mean he's just got to be beside himself. Like, what in the heck? Like, and it's like, doesn't matter, man. You can change. It's like rearranging the, 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 the deck chairs in the Titanic, man. It don't matter. That the Ferrari is going to always Ferrari. I think they're closer. They seem closer than they were last hey, year. In you know way, what? But, Let's give them credit. They didn't screw up any strategy calls today, Jeff. They didn't screw That's, up any strategy. That's right. So they're making progress. Um, You know, boy, I, I tell you what, and I'm jumping all over the place with this, but people, speaking of people I feel bad for, um, I feel bad for Lando Norris. Uh, McLaren doesn't seem like they have anything at all like that. Ooh. Yikes. They were slow in preseason testing. And they haven't had speed, and then they got reliability issues on top of it. Like that ain't good. Mm-mm. And it feels yeah. like they're. I'm not one of those people that go off of feelings. I say, but like, it's just there's a bad aura about this team. Like it's just everything is kind of going wrong. It feels like they're trying to do too much. Um, it's just there's not a good vibe. There's just not. Yeah, looking good for Daniel Ricardo, uh, actually. He comes out not 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 being in, in the race and not trying to uh, join on with some other team at this point. Um, I mean, he he got out of McLaren um, at the right time, I guess. But I mean, not that it was his, his choice. But on, on the flip side of that, um, Williams I thought took a step forward. Alex Albon scores a point for them, and Logan Sargent, the American hero, um, P twelve in his debut. Didn't seem to put a wheel wrong all day. You know, good weekend, solid he didn't weekend. Make any for him. mistakes or anything? Yeah. yeah, he almost made. Uh, you know, he, if his time hadn't been tied with with Lando, he would have made the next round of qualifying. Um, you know, look very, very, very solid, right? Like, I mean, for for a first F one race, um, you know, in a car that's not that great to finish P twelve, I think that's that's pretty good. I mean, that I think he has a lot to build on and be proud of there. So that's encouraging. I agree. I mean. We could see him score some points potentially this season, and and you know, are people really expecting him to do anything at all? I don't think so. No. I mean, the expectations are if he outperforms Latifi, that's a good season. And you know, I I think today he he did well for himself already. And, and the important thing is for him is to have a clean weekend, right? Like you you know, you are what your car is, and, and you just the, the important thing is those not putting your team behind, not wrecking it, not trying to do too much, like a Mick Schumacher did with Haas. And when your team's having to rebuild cars and spend money and everything that goes along with it, just go out there, put forth the effort, keep continue to make progress and and build. And that's the important thing. And, and if you can put together weekends like this, they're going to be really happy with you. 
is the championship over after it's one over. race? I mean, it's with the caveat, of course, like, I mean, if Verstappen gets hurt or, you know, something like that. Well, not, yeah, yeah. not, not if he gets hurt. Yeah. But I mean, like, I don't, I don't see how anybody beats him. I, I just don't. Like, the only thing I thought of going into this year was, is if Ferrari comes out like they did last year, where they were kind of level with Red Bull and beat them at times. And, and if they could do that enough and get deep enough into the season where they're still in the fight, you could make a case that then the penalty that Red Bull has could impact how much, what kind of, um, uh, what kind of uh, improvements they can make to their car as the year goes on, right? And then you're like, okay, okay, now it's towards the end of the year, they may not be as fast as they were at the beginning because they can't make these improvements. Maybe the pendulum swings, but I think now with Verstappen getting out to this, winning this race, and for Leclerc having a DNF and not scoring any points, all of a sudden, like that's shot. Like, I think he's just going to, I think he's going to build up such a point margin through these early part of the year. It isn't going to matter what he does come September and October. Yeah, it definitely feels, uh, <laughs> it feels over. I mean, it, it feels inevitable that it's going to be a, a third straight world driver's championship for Verstappen. And it's, you know, I tell you what, this is really bad for formula one, really bad timing for them Agreed. because just as they are, sort of people are giving them a look in terms of popularity, whether the popularity is there yet or not, people are giving them a shot. They are tuning in. They are saying, okay, Mm -hmm. Oh, I hear this is big. This is getting hype. Mm -hmm. It's trendy. Let me see if I like this. Now, if you do that and people are watching it and you're building off of that spectacular 2021 championship drama and all that went into it and you're thinking, wow, this Mm -hmm. is unbelievable. This sport. And then you give them two straight years of one dude, doesn't matter who it is, <laughs> one dude just completely waxing the field every week, having no drama, except you're trying to sell people on, oh, like, what's the battle for fifth? You know, whatever, um, which I, I, I enjoy that. But like the general public, the new fan, the casual fan, ooh, it's going to be a tough sell at a time when F1 really needs uh, drama and compelling racing. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's, I think you're so tough. I I think you are so right. When you look at formula one and where it's been building to, and it kind of felt like it was like a storybook, 2021, how that whole thing ended, right. You know, controversial fashion, Hamilton streak ending, um, Verstappen finally getting the championship, this rivalry there. Like they had, they had run-ins on the track. Like, that was like, and people are like tuning in for the first time. Like, oh my God, this is what it's like. Yes, this is, this is drive to survive. And yeah, hell yeah, I'm into. And then like, oh, 2022 comes along, and you're like, oh, oh, what, what what's going on here? And it just, it's it's gone. Like it feels like you're almost like putting a pin in a balloon, and you're just making that little noise that the air comes out. What what noise is that, Jordan? I, I you got you you've got you, you've got kids and balloons. You tell me, like that. <laughs> yes, that's the noise because I didn't want to make that noise and then have that like someone like clip that and ever be linked to me. So glad you did that. You did it perfectly. Thank you. That wasn't me. That was you. I'm don't don't pretend. Don't put that on me. That was Jordan. Everybody. <laughs> that wasn't me. That was Jordan Bianchi who made this that noise. What- this is why we are going to start doing a YouTube live stream of our podcast, by the nobody, way. Nobody, your reaction. Nobody can prove that that was me. 
we are going to start doing a live YouTube show because I want people to see your reactions uh, on. It's it's incredible. You throwing your hat, rubbing your head in disgust, like it's it's great. When I I, I will I'm very lucky because when I threw my hat earlier, I accidentally hit my water bottle here and it knocked it over, <laughs> but the cap was on. Imagine if I had thrown my hat, knocked it over, and it went all over my podcast recorder and the computer. That would have been hilarious. How would I have explained that to the company? Uh, I need a computer because Jordan had a terrible take during our podcast. It was for work, work reasons, so I need a waiver for that. You know what? I realize this. You, I know why you don't like you. You like the waivers because you're not about accountability. You're always blaming someone else. In this case, you're blaming me for you wrecking your own equipment. I get it. This is why you're not holding yourself accountable. But I was doing a work-related activity, Jordan, so I need a waiver. Uh-huh. Yeah, be more responsible, Jeff. As long as I'm doing a work-related act- activity, this is part of my job. Getting <laughs> mad at your your takes. Yeah. So. Well, I will actually say they should embrace. They should uh, reimburse you for the equipment that you ruined. So I I, I get a waiver. We need a waiver. This is wonderful. Well, uh, I don't know if it's a waiver necessarily, but uh, at least a do-over would have been very helpful for the two leaders of the IndyCar race today because, boy, (laughs) I'd say that was one of the better IndyCar races in a a while, especially for like a street course. I mean, I literally yelped when um, Scott came out of the pits. I mean, and it looked like in him and uh, Grosjean were going to collide. I'm like, I'm like, oh. Like it looked like they were going to run it, and then like, oh my! God, the whole sequence was crazy. So let's let's recap. There's a chance people might not have watched IndyCar. Um, so basically, first of all, that was a spectacular moment in the sense that everything was building toward that already. It wasn't just some, you know, some things will happen in a race sometimes, like drivers will take each other out, or even if it's the leaders racing hard or something. And it's just an incident. But this was building, 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 and the broadcast just played it so perfectly. NBC mm-hmm. did a great job with it because they were saying, okay, look, it's pretty much straight up right now. You've got Scott McLaughlin. You've got Roman Grosjean. They are basically going to be on the same strategy. They've each got to make one more stop, same tires, all the stuff, right? So they're saying before they make their pit stops, okay, who's going to pit first? Who's going to come out? The outlap is going to be so crucial. It's going to be so important. So they have their stops and McLaughlin is you know, you, you see the overhead shot, right? McLaughlin, Grosjean, yes. they're almost going to collide perfect, coming out of the pits. It was a perfect, the production crew deserves all the kudos because it was the absolute perfect angle for that. And, you know, McLaughlin is on colder tires, right? He's ahead, but he's on colder tires. It's it's, it's so like, oh, it's so close. He, it's the moment the race is going to be decided there because if he lets Grosjean by, I don't know if he's going to have enough time and get his car up to speed. It's going to be over, I think. And like, that's it. It felt like that was the deciding moment one way or another. So as it turns out, they go into the corner <laughs> and his tires are not heated up enough yet. And he, they, he just, McLaughlin just makes a mistake. I, he's a world-class driver. He's a fantastic driver, yeah. but Grosjean was probably going to win that race because he was probably going to get by and just because he had warmer one lap, warmer tires um, and boy, the disappointment for him, I, I feel for him, but just a moment, we all, they're both in the tire barrier all of a sudden, like what? No way. Did that just happen? Unbelievable. What? I just, wow. Wow. That was something what a great race. Um, great race. So what was very interesting about it later, you would think, you know, Grosjean's obviously upset at first and, uh, our guy, uh, Krista Hardy, the IndyCar journalist, 
ends up uh, getting outside the, the hauler, the transporter, um, as Grosjean emerges. And um, he he does not fight McLaughlin, right? What happens? Did you see this video? Yeah, I saw it. It's disappointing. Oh, it's disappointing that they gave each other a hug and yeah, respectful words? Yeah, like, I want, like, bad blood and rivalry. Like, that's what sells. Like, and that's what – you can make a case. Like, motorsports is better. I will I will go to my grave saying, like, it is better when you've got two people fighting for wins and championships who don't like each other. That's what it's about. And, like, oh, we're going to hug it out. Like, no, don't hug it out. He, he crashed you. He crashed you. Come on. <laughs> he didn't mean to obviously he crashed himself too not only just he just took himself out yeah, he did but still like recreate bobby allison and kale yarborough come on do this yeah it, it definitely would have been good for the indycar reality show no doubt yes um but anyway then it, it you know it, it it looked like pato award was gonna win um to the point where i i just was like oh yeah pato's got this and then i look up i'd, I'd gone to the dirty mo uh media suite to uh, talk to your DBC co-host for tomorrow. Um, they announced it, by the way, so you, you didn't ruin anything. Yes, I see it's on Twitter now. I didn't ruin it anyway because Freddie Kraft uh, had a guessing game for an extra raffle. So a winner, The winner got an extra raffle ticket for guessing who the guest was. And he said nobody could get it. And he said, it's the, the hint is in the first two words of my tweet, guys. Breaking news was his tweet to tease who was on the guest. And somebody immediately, as soon as he said breaking news, somebody immediately in the back of the room, this dude yells out, Jordan Bianchi. So might've been my father. <laughs> I don't, would your father have paid big money to go in the dirty Mo suite? Probably. Yeah. My oh. dad would be like, there's alcohol there. Yeah. My dad would go. Oh yeah. There's a lot. There was a lot of alcohol in there. Yeah. My dad would be there. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot. There was a lot of alcohol there. I was like, I got to get out of here before uh, before people try to get me to take a fireball shot or something. Before I got, I got to work, you know. Um, anyway, uh, I don't even remember what my point was in bringing that up, but um, I was just trying to to, to rib you again. Uh, anyway, very interesting race. Um, yeah, so I looked up and I saw that Marcus Erickson won, and um, you know, I, IndyCar that that's a good start for them. I mean, it was quite an eventful race. Although I, I really have to wonder, like some of the wrecks that I saw, the the first one where the the rookie dude just piles in like ten seconds or something Unex after the unacceptable. It was Arca like hell. You can't do that. Like also though, I will say I, there was no caution. There, the caution lights were not on. The, like they zoom out of that shot, and it looked like the green mm -hmm. lights were still flashing, or the green light was still on, or whatever. So yeah. That took the race control a while to now, but still you, you can't just, I mean, total lack of awareness ahead of you there. That, that could have been pretty bad. That T-bone wreck. There. Really bad. Oof. Yikes. That was, that was dangerous. Um, two airborne cars today. Pretty, pretty hard mm -hmm. hits there. Um, glad Jack Harvey was okay as well, but yeah, quite, quite an eventful, eventful opener. St. Petersburg is a really people don't give that a track enough credit for what it is. Like you talk about great street courses and road courses in America. Like this is the racing at St. Petersburg year in and year out largely delivers. It's really, really good. And it before a packed house every single year. You know, um, Jordan, I just feel like, first of all, I really enjoyed this day of motorsports and I'm glad that all three are, are back. And I really, really, you know, the best days 
of racing for me are when none of them are going head to head. When you have a day where it's just one mm -hmm. after another, after another, you just roll through it. And I, cause it, to me that, that takes away the sort of the, the competition, you know, fans are always like, Oh, NASCAR is better than F1 or F1 is better than NASCAR or whatever. Um, or, you know, they, they get territorial about their series, but when there's no head to head competition and you can just watch all three and just appreciate them for what mm -hmm. they are, it's just so enjoyable because you get less of the sniping about, you know, what's better and, and everything. And, and you just look like, like the F1 race today, right? Okay. Not an interesting battle at all for, for the win, but there was other battles that you could totally appreciate and were very exciting. And the Alonzo storyline was great. And there was a lot of other stuff. Then IndyCar, we just talked about very thrilling. I mean, just great race overall, like a lot of action, uh, that, that it was a, just a jaw dropping battle for the lead there with two guys going for it. Uh, two guys who were rookies in the series just a couple years ago. Um, and especially the Grosjean storyline coming over from F1, potentially, you know, having a chance to win again, hopefully we'll get to see him win the season. Cause I think, I think that'd be a great story. Um, just, you know, obviously overcame a near death experience, right. Um, to, to, to be able to win again, that, that would be something. And then NASCAR, you know, it wasn't the best NASCAR race today, but there's still things to like about the, you know, the NASCAR race and overtime and, and things that make NASCAR unique. And, you know, I, I just am bullish on motorsports as a whole and, and seeing people, you know, you don't have to be a fan of one. There's room for all to like all three. I don't, unfortunately they go head to head sometimes, especially NASCAR and IndyCar, uh, seemingly, I, I, I still don't get that, but, um, I, I love that. I love days like this where you can just appreciate the nuances of each series and, and enjoy a great day of racing, you know? I agree. I mean, I went off the road this weekend, so I really got to enjoy it at home. And it was like, you know, was able to watch Formula One. That race ends. I've got about 30 minutes before the IndyCar race starts. I like have lunch and then the IndyCar race ends and it goes right up into the Fox's pre-race coverage. It was perfect. Like it was just it was like perfectly synced up all three races. It was great. And I love your point. I agree with it. It's like it's cool to see everybody across the motorsport spectrum. It's like everybody's kind of keeping an eye on it and chiming in and Thought, you know, not everyone's it, the debate of like, oh, this is better, doesn't really break out. It's just kind of a, a, an overall like good vibe celebration of like, this is cool motorsports day. Everybody's doing big things today. Like, it's just, it was cool. It's like a party that everyone was invited to. I like that a lot. And, and, you know, it's, you see it on Twitter because like, like for instance, I would say something about F1 or, or, you know, something would happen in IndyCar race or whatever, right? And, you know, part of me, like, I'd tweet something and I'd be like, oh, gosh, am I going to, is this going to sort of be met with like dead air? Like are, are people watching it with me? Um, and then you see, you know, your whole timeline fill up with other NASCAR people mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, cause that's most of the people I follow. Right. And you know, they're reacting to it or they're reacting to IndyCar or, or you see the, you know, the fans reacting They're they're all watching it. Um, mm -hmm. just like they would with NASCAR. And it's so fun to see like, wow, I can't believe it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, it, it's just, that's the best part. That's always been the best part of Twitter is sort of the sports bar nature of it. Yeah. Like everybody reacting together about something unbelievable or something cool. And, uh, yeah, you had that a lot today. That was really fun. Really enjoyed that. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's not going to happen that often this season. I mean, especially when they're not head to head and when they're all spread out like that, I think Indy for one thing, IndyCar is off for like a month now after they just started their season. Um, Right. Don't get that schedule at all, by the way. Yeah, it's it's a little bit odd. Um, and then, you know, F1, uh, 
they don't have a race next week and then they go to Saudi Arabia. So next week we'll be back to just NASCAR, which is fine, but you know, it's just, it's just fun. Uh, it's fun. We have so much to talk about and I think this is probably a pretty long podcast by the time we get through with this, but, uh, I've enjoyed, I mean, it's been fun except, I mean, again, for your, your terrible takes, but you know, um, even, even that was a little bit fun just cause I, I can't wait to see what people are going to say on Twitter about that. You mean, you know, that you should be more supportive. Well, I'm going to be supportive because I, I will, I will be tuning in for your door bumper clear appearance. Very excited about that. Um, that is my, you can tell they were desperate by the my way. favorite, uh, podcast to listen to each week. Um, Denny's is getting up there though. I, I will say I do like Denny's. Um, and this is good, but, uh, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, by the way, I, I mentioned at the Fontana podcast, I almost forgot to say this till I, till I just brought, uh, made myself think of this. Um, Last week, I talked about how, like, oh, you know, we're, we're still doing okay numbers, even though Denny is our competitor now, coming out with his podcast. Well, I mean, he's in he's in the same space, know. you know, the Monday morning, people driving to work. And, and I got a lot of responses of people going, hey, you know what? We like Denny's podcast, too, but we listen to yours first, or we listen to yours also, whatever. And guess what? If you look at our Fontana numbers, Jordan... We have mm-hmm. more people listen to our Fontana episode than even our Daytona 500 episode. Like we're still doing, we're, we're still okay. Denny's not killing us. People are still checking us out. So thank you guys oh, for that. Why, like I, when I say he's not a competitor, I, I mean it like there's enough space for everybody. Here. Like it's that. not a, about that. Uh, there's a lot of podcasts I'm right trying. now. Do, does the world need another podcast? I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> I feel like we can all, we, we've, I feel like there's space for, us right now and they keep adding podcasts we can have a different conversation but i feel like right now it's 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 good and i i said on twitter i'll say it here like it's uh, people love this show and it's growing and people are into it like they actually listen to what we want to say it's like come on like really i know you don't have anything better to do than listen to us knuckleheads like talk i know it is, it is really surreal it's crazy um, but we definitely appreciate it we love all you guys oh, 100%. for sure really do and uh yeah we'll uh we'll both be at home next week watching the phoenix race um guess I'll get to weigh in on the commercials. I haven't, I haven't, I see your tweets about the commercials, everybody, but I haven't yeah. been at home for a race this year yet. So, uh, we'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about the short track package. Um, we'll see who's, if Josh Barry is still driving the number nine car or if, if Hendrick comes up with somebody else, um, who would you put in the nine if you're Hendrick? Um, Hmm. Uh, I, I think I'd give Josh Barry another week. I think so too. I think, I, I mean, honestly, the, you look at the landscape, it's like who realistically is out there that you're going to put in that car. Well, and I mean, look, if it's, especially you're going to, uh, it's not exactly a short track, but a shorter track. And, um, although I, you know what, I, I will say, uh, Algeier is pretty good at, at Phoenix. So, Phoenix. but I don't think you want to, I also don't think you, you don't want to go in between Xfinity drivers and say, okay, well, um, you know, let's get, we're going to pick you. you. You want, I would think you would want a driver in there. If you're going to, if, if chase is going to miss six races, whatever that race, you, you, you prefer to have one driver, right? You're right. Yeah. Actually, the more I think about it now, I think you would actually want to go get, if you could get sort of like a cup veteran type guy. I'm looking to yeah. come in. Um, Oh boy. Could you, you couldn't get Jimmy. Could you? I was just going to ask you, like, you got, do you make the phone call? Um, 
Like, I don't know if Jimmy would want to, but I mean, but Gordon didn't want to do it in 16 and he did it for the good of the company. Like, yeah, if, if you're Jimmy, I mean, if you make the phone call, like Jimmy, man, listen, we need you. You're, it's probably going to be a Martinsville in there. You can run, you can run Bristol dirt. Like we'll give you a little, a, uh, we'll give you a little help. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, they do, they do have Hendrick motors. What about like a Biffle? No, they don't. No, they don't. No, they They're don't. ECR. No, they don't. Sorry. They have they, they, these you're right i want to make sure yeah but like what I don't about know, like, yeah like no 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 i'm not no really no i i, I no i'm good I, i'd rather go in a different direction i would rather i'd rather go i'd rather go as parker i i think like parker kligerman's a name that comes to mind no you don't no not you I, you can't go you can't go get an xfinity guy that's not in your camp i don't think that wouldn't be good um what yeah. about ryan newman no. Okay. I would rather bury my car than Ryan Newman. What about alone with Corey LaJoy? Dude, that actually is something I thought of earlier today. Like that's another phone call I'd make. Like I would, I wouldn't kick the tires in Jimmy. Um, though, be honest with you, I think I'm probably more inclined to keep Josh Berry in that car than Jimmy Johnson. Um, Corey LaJoy is intriguing though. Like that's a, like he's running really well, like three straight top 20 finishes. He's, he's kind of in the, the Hendrick realm in the, in the orbit a little bit. Like why not? I mean, you could certainly work out some sort of a deal with Spire. Um, and Josh Berry's ran, like you could say, Hey, will Josh Berry run for you guys? Like he's ran for you guys before. Like, I'm not saying you could put Josh Berry in that car. You could put, well, I, I guess, I mean, yeah, Spire no, needs somebody for you, car, but yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying is like you do a trade. Like we're going to let you have Josh Berry and we're going to take Corey for a couple races. It's it's kind of like the the David Reagan thing a few years ago when Kyle Busch got hurt, right? Like you can kind of work these things. And that's not that, – Corey LaJoy is somebody I'd actually – I would seriously inquire about. You mentioned David Reagan and that was another one that was kind of on my mind. No. Uh, I know he's a Ford guy traditionally, but um, is that somebody who you would consider putting in the car with? No. Why? I I would rather go. I'd rather ride with Barry. Oh, okay. What that? Did, Josh Barry has so little experience. I mean, David Reagan has years and years of of cup racing experience and cup starts. Not in the next gen car, but okay. Okay, not in the next gen, but I mean, the guy's made. Let's see, he's made four hundred seventy six cup starts. Josh Barry has three cup starts. Uh-huh. I, at this point in their careers and where they're at, I would rather ride with Barry than David Reagan. Okay. I mean, uh, hang on here. I'm looking up something. Keep going. Keep talking. David Reagan is 37 years old. That's fine. He's, and when, is he younger uh, than Kyle Busch? Uh, yeah. Kyle's about 38. See, Kyle Busch is 37 I, years old. Kyle Busch is yeah. five months older than David Reagan. Okay. You're acting. <laughs> You're acting like David Reagan. I just think that David Reagan's career didn't over didn't impress me, and there really hasn't been too much about his career. I says this is the guy I want to put in my race car to 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 be the substitute. All you need to do you're the only you're trying you're just trying to get um, One, two, three, owner points for that car. You just yeah, need a I'm looking at this, and and it's okay. Uh, it's so going to be too. I'm it's going to be too long of a like. Let's say yeah. let's say you figure out okay. Elliot's going to be out six weeks. You need. Um, okay, I'm doing the math okay. here. 
So let's say he's out through Martinsville, which would be seven races, which is in that time, that range, right? Okay. So you've got Phoenix where he runs well at. Atlanta's a super speedway he runs well at. Austin's a road course. Okay, that's going to be tough. Richmond's a short track. Bristol Dirt, who knows? And then you go to Martinsville, which is in his wheelhouse. Like the schedule kind of sets up for Barry here. Like Phoenix, Richmond, Martinsville, Atlanta. Like those are good tracks for him. Uh, I okay. I mean, I'd rather get just. I think I'd just rather let Barry concentrate on Xfinity. Um, I'd get a veteran Cup guy who is just going to come in for six weeks or whatever and be done. Um. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, you're making fine points. I just, I'm saying what I would rather do, but no, I get it. And I, I hear what you're saying. I, I actually do think, I think between. Jimmy would be a really good because Jimmy knows how Hendrick works. He knows the organization. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, it lets him kind of have that. And I will say it kind of lets him get that, that final swan song with Hendrick that in front of the fans, he didn't really get before. And he gets him more um, experience in the camp. next gen before he makes starts in his own yep. car, you know, uh-huh. whatever the next start's going to be. Um, I know he doesn't want to do a lot of races, but again, you're only committing to handful races. And but. he and he does want he he loves Martinsville. He might have to get to run there. He he does has talked about how he likes Coda, you know, road courses. Like this was an opportunity to run at, at Coda. I don't know, I, I, Jimmy. Jimmy would be on my Jim, Jimmy Johnson. Corey LaJoy, Josh Barrier, the three names. And that those would be the three. I'd find one of those three guys. Dale Jr.? No, I don't think Dale will do it. I mean, I don't think he'd do it outside of – I mean, he's pretty much said he's not going to run any big tracks. So he's not going to do it in Atlanta. Yeah. Well, also, yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't want to put Dale Jr. in a next-gen car with the concussion problems they've already been having I think with he, those. And, you know. I don't think he would do it. I, well, I just he really wanted to run, run Fontana Xfinity, so – he had a willingness yeah, maybe. to do it. But. I, yeah, I just does he do Atlanta as super speedway? I, I just maybe. I mean, I could see him. I could see him doing like a Richmond or a Martinsville. Jeff Gordon, but again, no. Gordon is. I think Gordon's driving days are largely behind him. He drove a sports Especially car at the Cup last year. He did a Porsche, and that, as he said, he was not in driving shape for that. Yeah. Uh, so he's not doing the 24 hour Le Mans, which I think kind of indicates where he's at on, on racing at that level. Well, they Hendrick said that they're probably going to try to have to make a decision by tomorrow morning. So by the time this podcast, many of you, you might already know who it is making this yeah. end of the podcast completely irrelevant, but you could probably say that about our podcast in general anyway. So <laughs> that's probably a good point. <laughs> All right, everybody, we've gone on long enough. Uh, it's dark here in Vegas. I want to go get dinner at some point. So let's wrap this up. Probably a good idea. Jordan, it was great to talk to you. It was fun. And uh, we'll do it again next week. Everybody, thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time on The Teardown. <laughs>